What up, peeps? Guy Adami here. Dan Nathan there. I might be lisping because <laughs> I just spent the last two hours in a dentist chair, but that's neither here nor there. It's Market Call. It's Monday, December 12th, 30 minutes on the clock. In a brief few minutes, Carter Braxtonworth of Worth Charting will be joining us. This Market Call brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics that are, in fact, powered by tomorrow. I'm powered by Novocaine on the left side of my face. But hey, that's what we're here for, Dan Nathan, right? That, How you that, doing? that is what we're here for. And you know, it's funny because I know our fine sponsor, FactSet, the data analytics that are powered by tomorrow. Tomorrow is a big day, guy. We got that CPI print. Yeah, we do. But, but we got to look back at yesterday. Yesterday Sunday. was Sunday. And normally on a market call Monday, you have something to say yeah, about the yeah, New York I, football I sort of giants over that. You, 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 you kind of glossed over it. And I, you know, what's going on here, man? Like that they got out of the gate. I think they were like, what, seven and two or something like that. And then they just keep losing games here. What's, what's yeah. Well, look in the NFL injuries, everybody's dealing with injuries. I'm not making yeah. excuses. I bottom line is they just got beat by a superior football team yesterday in every facet of the game. And I said it, if you go back and listen to the on the tape broadcast, back in august i was saying that don't under don't underestimate the eagles they're the you best did. team in the league and here they are now sitting atop uh the nfl they got throttled yesterday yeah. and i will tell you um that's just a better roster right there they're just hands and head and shoulders above the giants and the rest of the league and big sue by the way oh Throttle, he throttled me a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, look like, at that. He comes out. Uh, listen, we we love Adonikin. He was on our podcast last year. I think right before the season started in 2021. He's a he's a brilliant mind. He's obviously a fabulous football player. He does a lot of venture investing. He's invested in Comos and a human ventures. Our, our good friends over there. But I just thought it was kind of funny. He, he's chirping. He's chirping as Rafis would say. He's chirping the the uh, the Giants. You know, sitting on there as perch as an eagle. I'm chirping you. And he thinks I'm chirping him. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's chirping everybody. Listen, Big Sue, it's great that he's in the league still. Um, I think he's going back to a Super Bowl. I will tell you something quickly. Don't sleep on the Chargers last night. An undermanned Charger team showed up last night and beat Miami at home, granted. But, you know, they're hurt. They start getting people back. The Chargers are going to be dangerous if they get into playoffs. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about, Dan. We're here to talk about a market that's up. Yeah. The CPI number tomorrow, everything hinges on that and obviously the Fed on Wednesday. Yep. But at least today we're seeing a bit of a relief rally, maybe on the back of, as they say, merger Monday. Yeah, there's a bit of that. We'll, we'll talk about a couple of those deals. I thought one of the first things I read this morning in my inbox um, for the Wall Street Journal, and I think this is going to be a theme for, you know, as we head into 2023, you see the slowing growth edges out inflation yeah. as top concern. And, you know, it's funny, go back a year, guy, and the concern was that the economy was growing too much. Inflation was too high, but there was a lot of people, and me of one of them, who just didn't think inflation was going to be sticking around too far, too long. That was that whole transitory conversation. But what does that kind of headline speak to you, Guy? And, and we've been talking about it on a market call now for weeks. Uh, what what really crude oil has meant maybe is, is saying exactly what this headline suggests. Well, it's what it says is people finally realizing that slow growth is a is a possibility here, and we're seeing it right before our very eyes. And listen, by the way, this is the outcome that the Federal Reserve wants. This is not an yeah. outcome; it's the actually desired outcome. And be I'll say it again: you know, they wanted inflation for a long time. I used to say, "Be careful what you wish for." Now they want things to slow down. Well, 
be careful what you wish for because you think you can slow down things to a point and hope they moderate. My concern is, again, things will overshoot now to the downside. So everybody's coming to the realization that, yeah, obviously that CPI print of 9.1% we saw, I think, over the summer, and we said it at the time, that was the high print in terms of absolute number. Inflation's still a problem, but now, obviously, the growth concerns are rearing their ugly head. And by the way, a lot of people are saying this. Goldman Sachs had a note out. A lot of people are coming to the realization that, hey, you know what? 2023 is going to be a slog fest of a year. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about this CPI print that's tomorrow morning. And again, um, you know, 7.7 was last Mm -hmm. month. Right. Expected 7.9 caused a 4 percent rally in the S&P 500. If we pull up the one year chart of the S&P 500, what's really interesting is like where the S&P is now down a little bit from those highs um, a week and a half ago is trading really very close to where it was on that gap after the CPI print, which I think is interesting. We drew a couple lines, the downtrend, the 200 day. You get it the uptrend that's been in place since mid-october you know technically we're at a tough spot here and it'll be interesting to see guy if the cpi print is let's say it's a little softer as expected but let's say equities don't rally much and that would be where you turn that's the tables a little bit where we had these kind of knee-jerk reactions over the last couple of months but maybe now is where we start focusing a bit more on what slower growth means for s p earnings in 2023 that's exactly right and i'm glad you made that point because if cpi does come in softer. And I don't know what necessarily expectations are. I think they're the low sevens, but let's just say they're better or softer than expectations. And the market doesn't have a meaningful rally. And I'm not even talking about the rally we saw last time, but even half of that, then that's maybe a bit of a tell. The other tell, and we're going to look at a chart in a second, obviously, is going to come in the form of the VIX. But this chart says it all, Dan. And this is something that Carter's put out there for a while. Downtrend is still in place from effectively November of last year. We've touched the line a couple times. We failed the last time. PPI suggests that CPI might come in a little hotter than people think, and I think that's the next downdraft. We'll see. Obviously, yeah. regardless of what happens tomorrow, some of the rhetoric we hear on Wednesday is going to paint a picture as well. Yeah, and you know the VIX is interesting here because you, you mentioned a guy before we came on. You know, it, it's it's up a bit here, five percent significantly or so. on a it's- on a decent broader market day. Well, so so what what is the VIX telling me right here? It's telling me that that people are a bit nervous in front of tomorrow's print. And and again, you just mentioned that what PPI might have said from last week about the CPI. So if it does come in hot, that will just embolden, I guess, Fed Chair Powell to reiterate what he said two weeks ago uh, at the Brookings Institute that while the pace of increases are going to decline, the CME Fed Fund uh, tracker is you know suggesting obviously a very high likelihood of fifty um, tomorrow or excuse me, Wednesday, we don't have another meeting until February 1st, and then basically another 50 in 2023. Uh, but they might stay elevated for yeah. a while. And that feeds into that whole idea of like, you know, higher rates for longer, the impediment on growth. But the VIX is basically saying to today that, you know, we have a situation where investors are a little on edge. I just want to re- reiterate or, or recap a trade from December 5th guy at the time when we talked about that. I bought a call spread in the VIX when the VIX was trading at 2035. 
five, and it's up four dollars. It's up twenty percent. And you'd think, well, oh, this thing must be a big winner. Well, those long calls, the twenty-five strike calls, are not even in the money. They're up a little bit. They're they're trading maybe you know a ninety-five cents a dollar. Those short all the way out of the money. Thirty calls are only up five or six cents mm-hmm. or something. So this is a small winner after a huge after move. A big move. And, and, and it's a trade that again, I, you know, might I be putting this on right now if I thought there was going to be hot data and the Fed was going to be really hawkish? Maybe, but I have this trade on. I'm going to I'm going to be very careful with this one, and I don't feel the same conviction I did when I thought the VIX at 2035 a week and a half ago seemed very complacent. Something little something called theta bleed without getting too in the weeds here, but I know you know of what I speak. But I do think it's somewhat interesting that the VIX is having a strong day on a bullish day in the broader market. That's obviously for me. That's always been a bit of a tell as well. I'll say this: I was watching the Squawk and Friends, as you say, this yeah. morning, and there was a gentleman on that suggested that he, the Fed might go seventy-five tomorrow given three of the things that they watch pretty closely. I don't think that's going to happen, by the way, but there's still a school of thought out there that, you know, although 50 seems to be baked in, there's still some people that think they haven't done enough, which is remarkable if you think about it. They've had four 75 basis point rate hikes. I mean, that is unprecedented. We talk about 50 like no big deal. Historically, a 50-point hike is a big deal, Dan Nathan. Yes, that, that is a matter of fact here. I want to bring Carter Braxton Worth bring him in, in now, guy. You guys know you love him from Worth Charting. Oh, wow. Nothing slick, just charts, and a nice tie there, guy. I think we got, also got a tie on today. Yeah, yeah. not it up, man. That's so, Carter, give, give yeah. us, I want to. I want to talk about the Nasdaq. I want to talk about a software deal. I know that um, we're going to look at semis too, um, but I wanted to get your sense on what we just talked about, and, and maybe we can kind of touch on rates here too. But you know, from your work in general, you know, we had that explosive rally after that small. Um, you know, decline in CPI last month here. Um, what, what are you what are you kind of expecting? What, what are kind of what's the S&P chart? Do, do, the way we talked about that resistance of the uptrend, does it look feeble to you here? Like it would take it would take a really weak number for this thing to bust out meaningfully above four thousand. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes there is no trade. And 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 Ultimately, if, if, if you could remove the fact that it says S&P 500 in black and the 200 moving average and all the lines and just look at that particular instrument, is it something that one really has to rush out and sell short yeah. or buy long? It, it, it isn't. And that's what a pair of twos is, right? It, it, it's a not a great hand in poker. Uh, you know, the trick to poker, just for, and I don't play a lot, but I've played my share. It's all about folding. Right. Basically, you fold, you fold, you fold, because most hands, yeah, let's just only lose the ante. I don't want to put good money after bad. Three of a kind, that's something you, you press your bet, right? A straight, that's something you press your bet. Pair of twos, it's the worst hand you can have without having five random cards. Yeah. Which is to say, why, why play? Now, my my hunch is that we're we've got a gap to fill to the downside. My bias is that we're gonna we're gonna catch that. Um, but it's really not that actual little moment. All things healthy. Yeah. So, all right. Fair enough. And, and and again, I mean, let's see how the market moves after CPI because that may present a trading opportunity um, into Wednesday. If we get a follow through one way or the other, you may want to take the other way into the Fed presser. Um, guy, I just want to hit this one real quickly. You know, if you look at the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ 100, it never got to that downtrend. It never got to its moving average. Um, it feels like, you know, it's kind of really underperformed the S&P on that move 
move from mid-October. We talked a little bit about it, the rotation and the value here. But what's interesting today, guy, you know, you were in the dentist chair all morning. You said, what I missed? Because I'm seeing some of these tech stocks screaming a little bit. You know, rates, they've been, you know, when rates were going higher, a lot of these high valuation, unprofitable tech stocks were getting hit really hard. When rates have come in over the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks, they actually haven't rallied. But today they're rallying. So we walk in, there's Toma Bravo. It's a big uh, private equity fund. They're taking this Coop, C-O-U-P, Coupa Software, um, private at like $8 billion. That's like literally nearly 100% you know, premium to its lows just a couple of weeks ago. Despite, Look at that chart. I mean, despite it being way off its 52-week highs. Talk to me a little bit, Guy, about the NASDAQ's underperformance and seeing a deal like this, about seven times sales. So it's not egregious, you know what I mean? Um, but we're likely to see more private equity takes yeah. companies. And look, I mean, you throw the Amgen deal in there as well, obviously completely different space, but I think it's it's a bit of a mosaic. Companies are trying to be, you know, opportunistic, I guess. You know, a lot of these stocks, to your point, have gotten wailed on. They've probably been in their crosshairs from quite some time. And I think they say to themselves, look, we're not going to ever buy the bottom of these things, but now's a good time to put some of our balance sheet to work. And I think that's what we're seeing. I don't think it suggests we're at the bottom in the market because my sense is most of these companies are not going to time the bottom. And if they did good for them, I just don't think it's going to happen. But what I think it suggests is valuations have gotten to levels where they can rationalize. Now, in the terms of Amgen, they're buying growth. In the terms of uh, this Toma Brava, they're clearly trying to build what appears to be a Tyco type of company or a Danaher type company where they roll up all these companies and become conglomerates. I mean, maybe that will work for them. We'll see. And and also to your point about rates coming down and these names not rallying, that's the exact scenario, by the way, that Carter outlined many weeks ago. You know, he thought there was a scenario where rates could go lower, the dollar could go lower, the market might rally in the short term and then subsequently roll over. And I think that's what we're seeing right before our eyes. Yeah. Well, today, they, notwithstanding, they, by the way. Yeah. With, with the situation with Toma Brava, I mean, they, they raised this 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 fund to take, you know, software companies um, private, you know, early this year. They did make a couple acquisitions in the last year or so. So, again, they're smart. They're very smart people. And they probably see some unusual valuations, given what maybe some secular shifts um, in some of these areas here. Carter, let's talk a little bit about semis. You know, the headline that caught my eye today was that Japan and the Netherlands were going to join the U.S. U.S. in their you know advanced chip ban export ban um, to China. And this is a matter of national security, but it's also something that you know has the potential to really hurt some of our chip companies here. You know what I mean? And I, you know Netherlands is interesting. ASML is over there. Um, you know when I look at this SMH, and we talked about it, I think last week on Market Call, this the ETF that tracks the semiconductor space. You know it's forming like a nice little base flag, whatever you want to call it, above that downtrend. Talk to me about that because some of the components, and we're going to look at a couple of them in a minute, are, are well below or they're, they're, they're being rejected at that downtrend. What does that usually say to you when the sector is acting wor- or better, let's say, in this situation than some of the main components? Right. Well, yeah, it's case by case. Intel is a disaster, right? And then you've got something like NVIDIA, which is actually actually better. Mm-hmm. You look at a relative strength line to the SMH. But I mean, this is, at the end of the day, this is cyclicality, it's beta, it's risk on. If you just consider the facts in terms of peak to trough drawdown, we know the S&P at its low was down uh, 27%. We know the NASDAQ 100 was down 35 and this was down 48. I mean, semis literally got cut in half. And uh, all of this action is hopeful, encouraging. It doesn't qualify officially as a bearish to bullish reversal, 
but it's close. Yeah. It's interesting you brought up NVIDIA real quick. I mean, I don't know if Jacob can or Rafis with no left hand can pull up a NVIDIA chart. But, I mean, there's a stock that's rallied almost 50, I think more than 50% from that low we saw in October and is still down 50% from the all-time high we saw this time last year. And it's right at a downtrend line. So I think to your point, you look at this, you have a sloping moving average to the downside. We basically touched up to the moving average as well as a downtrend. If you're playing NVIDIA here, I think there's a real setup, um, risk-reward at least, to play it for another move lower. That's just me, but this one sticks out like a sore thumb, Dan. Yeah, it's funny. Carter, I I texted you the other day because I was doing some of my charting, which obviously is nowhere near yours. I just sit there on the fact set. I'm just scrolling. I'm hitting the button, hitting the button, hitting the button. And to Guy's point, I mean, this thing is 60% um, off of its lows. And to me, that setup looks pretty good. And then I throw in the fundamentals. I throw in the chip ban. I mean, you know, the fundamentals are fine. I mean, that quarter was fine. Um, Mm -hmm. The guidance was fine. Guy, I think you and I both fine. All wasn't great. Fine. Yeah. Given how much. Given it, it's it still trades at fifteen times sales. You know, you know what right. I mean. But 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 this one looks like an unusually good one. Even if it like kind of breaks out above it and then fails, I think you want to press it. Just but try this for fun, if we may. If we have a one-year chart of Nvidia and a one-year chart of the SMH, and just try to, we might be able to pull it up on the fly. If not, uh, the one thing that stands out is that Nvidia is making new minor highs, whereas the SMH is not. Right. And yeah. So on a day-to-day basis. As money moves in and out of all stocks, any stocks, but moving in and out of NVIDIA. So if you see NVIDIA where it is relative to that high of one month ago, and then by contradistinction, look at the SMH, the SMH is below that high, right? And so money is favoring all things held equal, NVIDIA over SMH. So they both have that sort of pennant, flag, whatever you want to call it. But NVIDIA is making new highs over the past three to five weeks. SMH is not. Yeah. Hey, Guy, what, what what are your thoughts? I know that, you know, on the way up, you, you liked AMD on valuation, your market share gains. Carter just mentioned Intel, obviously, technically and price wise, it's just been a disaster and they've executed very poorly. You know, um, NVIDIA is up nearly 60 percent from its recent lows in October. Um, this one, AMD, again, expected to grow far slower than mm-hmm. NVIDIA next year. You know, single digits percent it's just like, you know, act, doesn't act that well. You know what I mean? It no, it does heavy. not act well. I mean, we thought there was a chance for a bounce post earnings you got that bounce but this sets up to me the same they're all going to look similar and i think today you had a qualcomm downgrade as well um so that's not helping and but this is the same chart as nvidia effectively a stock that's more than been cut in half since it's all-time high again the same time last year uh and it's still relatively expensive on valuation so there was an analyst today, I think it was Bank of America, forgive me if I'm wrong, but they said technology short uh, for 2023 is one of their top trades. So I still think there are a lot of people that believe the slowdown obviously is going to help one of the most cyclical groups out there. Yeah. All right, Guy, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the comments here because we've got a bunch of, oh, we we got got a bunch of people. It, anything we see in here we like, Jacob, anything you just want to kind of try to stump us with here um, a little bit? Smash because, the like button. I mean, listen, we're going like to do a fun little consumer staples uh, versus healthcare um, with Carter in a second. So let, let's keep a, a, an eye on um, 
any thoughts uh, in and around uh, sectors outside of that. But let's just go before we get to some comments. Carter, why don't we do this? You know, you and I were co- like looking at some ideas. I know that you've been really constructive on healthcare, bearish to bullish reversals. Now you're seeing some M&A here. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you think about different sectors. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, in the year end, what's performed well, um, what maybe is coming, peeking their head up a little bit, and what might work um, well in 2023 in a you know a different environment. We were really focused on high levels of inflation, rising interest rates. 2023 is going to be moderating inflation, still elevated interest rates, but it might present some different um, investing opportunities than they presented themselves in 2022. Right. I mean, year to date, it's just right out of page one of your first day at your first job or your first class in business school or whatever whatever class you took, meaning what are the two best performing sectors holding aside energy, which is of course at one point up 70%, but healthcare and consumer staples. These are the two areas that have, so defense has ruled the roost year to date. And while there was a bid for industrials and financials earlier, some of that is faltering. Um, The real interesting dynamic I think is that so-called early stage economic recovery names and consumer discretion restaurants, uh, apparel. A lot of those are, are are bottoming, bearish to bullish reversal. So the question is, is there a message there that there is no recession, right? Or somehow uh, this time it's different? Or is it, of course, uh, foreordained and that the 210 curve tells us that we are going to go into a period of contraction? Real um, quick, my hunch, Dave, is, oh, my hunch is the latter. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to the XLP, I think we should take a quick look at crude because something you said last week stuck with me. You said, you know, you typically don't like to press things when they're down as much. And and that's really coming to fruition because crude started the day lower. The reversal today, I think, is interesting, again, given some of the lines that you drew. So I think we found support. I think the reversal today is interesting. The equities are sort of backing it up again. Um, I've been wrong in the commodity, but the equities have hung in there. The OH move today is interesting. Just something to keep on your radar screen, Dan, quickly. Yeah, and, and I guess it, it actually ties well into what Carter wants to talk about with consumer staples. He used the term defense, right? And so, you know, we saw this in utilities. We saw it in staples. There was a lot of crowding in those things. And when the air comes out of the offensive trade, which was crude, you know what I mean? You got to say, where does it go next? In some, I don't know. I, I mean, I thought the XLP set up really interesting because of the technical levels, Carter, that you talked about but walk us through the charts here and then i'd love to hear what you have to say um, about the xlv and healthcare because again i think there's value there it's not like the situation in xlp where a lot of people are left scratching their heads about what you're willing to pay for the components of those because of the defensive nature but this one this one looks like it could be set up for a nice trade lower well, so first of all, the thing that jumps out, even if I hadn't put the uh, the annotations on, is how symmetrical it all is, right? You could even call that bottom minor head and shoulders bottom. But the point is that there's a lot of symmetry. In fact, the number of days from the peak to the trough and from the trough back to the current peak is identical. Same number of trading sessions. There's the order of magnitude. It's a 14.5% drop. Of course, as the math works, you've got to make back more even to get whole. 16.8% up. Put all the lines together. And I would characterize this as a rally to a difficult level. And typically, you either back and fill or back away. It is doing just that. My hunch is to play on the downside. 
but by comparison, and, and, and again, you said head scratching. I mean, the, the point is that there is no growth here, right? There are no small cap stables. You don't have a small cap uh, <laughs> detergent company or a small cap soda company because that's not going to work. They gotta, you, never, you can't compete. And every once in a while, something starts out small like Monster and then becomes a big thing like Red Bull. But basically, we all know what this is. It's Coke and Pepsi and it's Procter and, and Clorox and Colgate and Kimberly-Clark and so forth and so on. And there's not a lot of growth here, but there's stable, safe, low beta, and that's what's worked this year. Look at the healthcare, actually, by uh, sort of comparison, and it's the same peak, the same mm-hmm. trough, but what? We've blown through the former high, that August high. That August high, of course, is the S&P's high, right? August 16th. And so to my eye, uh, this is the one to favor of these two very sort of defensive. If we put in the peak, the trough declines. Obviously, um, it, its sell-off was less. Its 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 rally is the same. Um, but then let's juxtapose them. And this is the really interesting thing. If you look at comparative, and here they are in that same time frame that those absolute charts were presented, and healthcare really is is handily um, beating staples. And then finally, uh, just for fun, look at a relative. Instead of two comparative lines, this is simply a ratio chart, and this is this is interesting. So this is simply dividing healthcare by, um, and, I, and I, I've mistitled that. It's it's relative performance to the S and P five hundred consumer staple sector. Right. So it's one sector relative to the other. And what do we know? That healthcare's peak was in 1999, of course, because it has growth. And Merck was trading at 70 times earnings. And right now, having basically underperformed staples since 99, all the way to 09 low, healthcare is right back to the penny to its former relative high to staples. My hunch is that this breaks out or said differently that. Healthcare, which is outperforming staples since 2011, continues to outperform and makes a new relative high. I agree with that. That's, can we go back to that toggle back for you bingo players to the original XLP chart? 50% of this ETF, by the way, is comprised of Procter & Gamble, which is 15%, very expensive stock. Coke and Pepsi, both 10% respectively, um, still expensive stocks. Costco, we saw what happened there. That's 10%. And then it's rounded out by Walmart at 5%. I mean, you can make an argument that the top five holdings are all still expensive stocks in this environment, had big run-ups, and now it's rolling over. Um, this looks really interesting to the downside to me, Dan. All right. So, Guy, you want to do a little little uh, options trade on the sure. fly here? Well, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. <laughs> um, you're going to buy a, a, a 72-70 put no. spread. No, way, way too out of the way. You know, it's funny. Way too out of the money and way too tight. So I have the XLP trading about 76-17 right now. If I look at January expiration, okay, those Jan 75 puts are offered at about $1.20 or so. And the Jan... 69 puts are 20 cent bid. So if I bought one of the 75s, I sold one of the 69s, that's $6 wide. I'm paying $1. That is my max risk. That's what, a percent and a half or so of the underlying. I break even down at 74 and I can make up to 
$5 between 74 and 69. That would be a 10% move lower between now and January 20th expiration. I like that risk reward here because I think the way Carter mapped it out is like, okay, maybe it does what the XLV did, right, Carter? Maybe it consolidates a little bit more. Maybe there's some sort of um, impetus for it to break out and go higher. But if it doesn't, it really feels like it'd do a quick back and fill towards 72. And guy, I see what you see while you flag those 72s, but they don't do a lot of two and a half strikes anymore. And I'll tell you why they used to back in the day when you were trading the options, because they didn't have all these weeklies and the dailies and all that sort of stuff. That's fantastic. I love that. By the way, somebody's asking about the fence stocks. If you could quickly throw up a Lockheed Martin's chart, LMT, and then follow it up with a Northrop Grumman NOC. And you'll see that, you know, industrials have done well, but the strength of industrials recently have been on the back of a lot of these aerospace stocks that we have talked about for a long time. So that's Lockheed Martin effectively flirting with its all-time high. And if you look at NOC quickly, uh, this is a stock that just continues to go lower left, upper right. Um, and it's been fantastic. I mean, that is, I think, Carter, you would agree. I mean, that's as textbook as you get in terms of sort of a, a trend higher. Yeah, I like the group. And there's a great uh, ETF. It's an iShares. The symbol is ITA. And I would just own the theme, defense. Defense, like not staples, but defense, like guy military that, defense. That could be your your trading service, owning the theme. That that could owning be the your theme. No, I mean, I'm going to listen. I don't steal from people, although, you know, I'm I'm upset that Carter hasn't invoked my, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> what is saying? I love it. Say no it emojis with hearts, just charts. I yeah, mean, I think good. that's so 2023. But right, we'll here, wait here, for the close. Hey, Carter, of the show. here's one last one before sure. we get out of here. I saw that the, a company called Cleveland Research, which is not a household name in the equity research department but they do good work in consumer guy you and i we've kind of heard their name every so often where they make a big call it's out of consensus and they end up being right and this is over the years look at this target tgt is the ticker and we know that it had that huge gap right carter on earnings um, a, a couple weeks ago and it tried to kind of you know make back some of that gap but it really feels like it wants to take out those recent lows from the gap what, what, what's your take on this because we did we did see some decent retailers, some decent price action. We saw Lulu last week, which was not um, particularly good. Very different retailer, obviously, than a Target. If this Target looks like it's going to take out those lows from the post-earnings lows, that means it's going, it's headed back towards those 52-week lows. Sure. So in a period where, as, as you point out, many consumer retail-type companies, Burlington, Gap, Guess, Urban Outfitters, uh, even Nike churning, depends uh, how you look at it, home builders, certain and multiple areas of consumer discretion. This is terrible. First of all, it drops in gaps three weeks ago. No volume depicted on this chart, but you see the gap, heavy volume dropping gap. And now down again, relative strength terrible. Market's up today. It's down. Not good. I hate it when you can't feel the left side of your face. And, and you know, I'm probably a bit my tongue about nine times during this show. And I won't know about it until a couple hours later. But I, that's, you know what? That's what we do here. It's like a hockey team. We just get our teeth drilled and we come and play because that's what we do here at Market Call. I want to thank Carter Braxtonworth. No charts, no emojis with hearts, just charts. I'm telling you, you should run with that. I'll give it to you for free. I want to thank FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Obviously, thank you, the audience, for always being here. Thank you for your comments. We try to address them when we can. We'll be back tomorrow 
at 1 p.m. I think it's just the two of us, Dan. And wait, before we go, don't we have some special announcement about Friday with the TRB? Oh, yeah, yeah. Check this out. I think there's a few tickets available. If you're in the New York metropolitan area, we are doing a live, a live on the tape podcast, December 16th at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Um, We're doing it with Josh Brown and Michael Batnick of the Compound podcast. Danny Moses, our co-host, is going to be joining us on stage two. All the proceeds from the tickets go to No Kid Hungry. It's a great cause here. We'll have it pinned. So there's a few tickets left here. Check it out. Come meet us. Come see it live. Um, and we're going to just hopefully raise a lot of money for a good cause. So why is why is Henry Winkler? What do they call it when things are trending? Uh, they call him trending. Oh, well, he's trending. That's I hope it's I hope all is well in Arthur Fonzarelli land. Thanks, CB Dubs. Thank you, folks. Thanks, Thank buddy. my dentist. I'll see you later. See you later. <laughs>